you've done enough to them kids already. Come on, kids, witness. You're safe with your friend, Dolly. It's the only time in my life I ever think about wishing I'd have been a man. But you know, that only means one thing. If I'd have been a man, I'd be somewhere right this very minute with some old cranky, nagging, ragging, hateful woman with those old PMS Good morning. Welcome to Crime Talk BK. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> yes. Praise uh, me. Yeah, so we're actually still recording this in the year that shall not be named. Uh, but by the time it airs... It will be hindsight. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled that out of my butt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I am, uh, pretty excited for 2020 to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought that we would do something fun for this episode. And Megan, would you like to announce our topic? Yes, we wanted to do something completely feel-good, non-crime related. So today on Crime Talk BK, we're declaring it Dolly Parton Day. <laughs> Also, her birthday is on January 19th. She'll be turning 75. So, it's Dolly Parton Day. Yeah. Um, But before we get to... Well, I have a segue for this. So, Mm -hmm. I think that Dolly Parton would encourage all of us to be our best selves. So, Megan, do you have any New Year's resolutions that you want to share? No, I don't do resolutions. No, why not? Because I try to be my best self all the time. That is... A very good answer, albeit a bit of a boring one. It is boring, and I will tell you that I sometimes fail at it, but I just change, you know, whoops, sorry. Don't do that again. I love setting New Year's resolutions with the understanding that I'll only stick to them for a month. But it's kind of like I figured that if I can stick to one for a month, then I had a month of trying something new. Or like <laughs> a new habit, <laughs> and it's okay yeah. if- it didn't quite land. I don't, I just don't think they're really helpful, you know, like, because you try and set them and then you, you epically fail at not even starting them or you epically fail because you're trying and you're not just getting anywhere and then you quit and then you feel bad about it. So there's no fucking point in a new year's resolution, particularly after this year. Like we're all just trying to get through it right now. So yeah. I don't. I don't think having a resolution is it has serves any point at this time around. I definitely only try to pick resolutions that I won't feel bad about if it doesn't work. Mm. Like what? Um, well, like I'll say, like oh, I want to um, like exercise more, 
you know. And then if I like don't exercise more, I'm just like, oh, my couch. <laughs> See, but that's <laughs> one of the big ones that a lot of people, you know, I'm gonna go to the gym more. I'm gonna lose weight. I'm gonna eat better. I'm gonna do all. And they, and it's because it's such a psychological. It's, it's just pure psychological self torture with that yeah. one. But um, my New Year's resolution. My doable New Year's resolution is is that I want to practice my crocheting more. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, it's kind of like a, a, it's like a kind of like a quilting bee type thing, but for crocheters. So each week you um, get um, the new line to the pattern. Mm-hmm. And so everyone can like do it together and you join a Facebook group with everybody else who is doing the like blanket or whatever with you. And it lasts like a month. And uh, there's this woman who has these gorgeous designs that I think are just like a bit beyond my skill level. Mm-hmm. And so sometime within the next year, I would like to attempt attempt <laughs> one of her blankets. Okay. So I'd like to do that. And then I think that I want to... Uh, Try to figure out, like, self-care things that both aren't stupid and actually work. <laughs> like, I'm not talking about a bath bomb. I'm talking about, you know, maybe, like, the wine time before bed. <laughs> oh, it's like the wine glass holder for the tub. <laughs> that sounds right. great, although, unfortunately, we don't have a tub. But, um, no, you know, it's like... 2020 was like the year of crippling anxiety for probably me and most Americans. <laughs> and so I think it'll be nice to try to be more uh, like purposeful with mental health and trying to, uh, you know, like form habits that will like set me up to take the bumps a bit better. Right. So we'll see. Um, I'll update you in six months. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my file effects to ask you in six months and ask you how how's the crocheting going and i'll just be like what (laughs) what are you talking about uh yeah it's like set an alarm in your phone for Mm -hmm. that sounds horrible (laughs) oh boy you know i won't do that i'm gonna do that because then it'll just be like perpetuating the shit that i just said like come on i'm not gonna do that i remember like one year I was like, I'm going to eat healthier. And it made me feel a little bit bad when I didn't. So I'm just like, okay, we got to choose these more carefully. <laughs> I know. I know. You can't do one that will make you feel bad. No. Don't, don't ever do any of them. If you have a fear of failure, don't ever set one for yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was actually talking to my therapist today. And I'm just like, yeah, I feel like this year has been like a year of great change. And then I, like, had this realization that it's not that this year has, like, changed. I mean, this year has changed a lot, for sure. But, like, also part of it was was that um, I've been setting, like, new goals for myself. They're, like, big goals, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so everything feels, like, more unstable because um, it's, like, the way that I'm picturing my life is shifting a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, nothing like the fear of death for nine months to really... <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, 
All this is to say is, is that I think that Dolly Parton episode is a really great way to ring in the new year. And um, she really is someone to look up to. And I think that she's someone who she's really like upbeat in a way that doesn't feel horrible to watch. You know, I mean, you have, is it Gwyneth Paltrow who like puts crystals in her water and just tells everybody to like be happy all the time? She puts weird, she is a horrible human being and don't get me fucking started on goop. Uh, Dolly Parton is authentic and it's all, it feels just, she's just true to herself and she doesn't judge anybody. Um, She just tries to be a really good person, wants everybody to be a good person and just like live in a world full of joy and happiness and kindness. I need to figure out how to get Dolly Parton to adopt me. Um, what are you going to tell Roxy? <laughs> I think she'd be okay with it. <laughs> I think my mom would be like, Dolly Parton, please take my daughter from, like, you have fun. Her. It's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was looking at, like, Dollywood and all this, like, her life is so full of just kindness and joy. And yeah. And, it, yeah. Seems like she, uh, and it's like I don't think that she had. I mean, fame definitely came kind of early to her, um, and I don't want to say that she. I don't want to say that she like didn't have an easy life. Like I don't think that her life at any point was necessarily like, "Woe is me." But uh, she grew up in, like, a very small rural community where a lot of people were quite poor. Including and, her family. With, she had yeah. 12 siblings in, like, a two- to three-room little house in, like, was it Pigeon Pigeon Forge or something in, the, yeah. in Tennessee? And I get the impression of, like, seeing all the things that she's done with her life is that she, like, has a drive to succeed. She's very smart. Uh, but she also kind of, like she's like living in a way where I'm sure she's still friends with her neighbors from back in the day, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, she just, uh, does stuff because it brings joy to herself and to other people. Yeah. National treasure. Uh, for sure. She's right up there with LeVar Burton and Mr. Rogers and, uh, the guy with the paintings. Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Stacey Abrams, but okay. I'll go with Bob Ross. What? Stacey Abrams has paintings? No. As oh, a national treasure. <laughs> Stacey Abrams is also a national treasure. No, she is a national treasure. She, apparently she writes romance novels on the side when she's not running for governor or... Getting or like running, saving the Democratic Party, yeah, or democracy in general with fair fight. This, that, I mean, I already liked her, but this fact makes me like want to be her friend. We should have a, we should find one of her books and have a dramatic reading. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not on air. I think that would be copyright infringement. It would be copyright infringement. Also, I think there might be scenes that we don't want to actually read because I hate romance novels. So oh, much. No. Yeah. I had it's... a guy friend in high school who would read uh, 
Fifty Shades of Grey in his like southern pastor voice. Oh my god. It was so funny. So the weird the weird thing when that book came out is ladies were free reading it on the subway. I was <laughs> like there's like eight women one morning reading the book and I was like is this a cl- like what is happening here? <laughs> it's so funny. I was reading um Outlander which I cannot say enough nobody should read. <laughs> it is a very questionable book. But I do like period pieces. And I did not know how questionable it would be. Yeah. And there were like moments where I was like kind of like side-eyeing people on the subway. And I'm just like, I'm going to skip these next six pages because these are not feelings I want to have right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've never read it. There's a series. I watched the trailer for it. And I was like, yeah, I like a period piece too. But this doesn't interest me at all. Uh, It has some like pretty like blatant like violence against women lots of uh sexual assault being threatened that's a that's yeah well and and they're like but historical accuracy i'm like why yes you know like back in the day really sucked to be a woman and really sucked to be a prisoner of war but we don't have to that's the beauty of i mean for love of god it's a book about time travel you do not have to make it (laughs) Fair point. We we don't need historical accuracy when we're talking about fucking time travel. Okay. We need to do some some revisioning of the like horrible things for a fun novel. But anyway, um, right. I had a guess. Uh, do you want to like let's meet Dolly? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, she Dolly Rebecca Parton, born on January nineteenth. 1946 um in beep 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 little pigeon river Pittman center tennessee she is the fourth of 12 children born to mama avi lee caroline and robert lee parton senior um, i love those names i um, mean like talk, talk, of her uh like these little towns in tennessee mm-hmm um, I didn't get all of her sisters and brothers, but I do know about Stella, who also has a delightful Twitter account, mm-hmm. Randy Parton, and her sister Rachel. Um, clearly, there are many more. I'm just, uh, I was not okay. I didn't be, I didn't have time to find them. Yeah. Um, so her dad, uh, known as Lee, worked in the first as a sharecropper. And then later owned his uh, own small tobacco farm. And and to to further make ends meet, he took up some construction work. Yeah. Um, He was fully illiterate. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is important later because Dolly Parton um, is like a very strong advocate for uh, like childhood exposure to books. Yep. Reading and um, I'm sure that her dad being illiterate really had an effect on on that for her. It, it absolutely did. Um, her mother, Abby Lee, cared for the whole family. Um, oh, a set of twins. Um, she was a mother of 12 by the age of 35. Her mom? Yeah. 
That's which, a lot. Which kept her in somewhat rough health. Um, she managed to keep house and entertain her children with folklore stories and, um, you know, country ballads and all that stuff. And um, that's where her love of music comes from. And that, you know, when you're growing up poor, you sit on the porch in, a, in this little place. I'm sure they didn't have electricity and running water, right? So what do you what do you do to entertain yeah. yourselves? So you get together and you sing songs and you tell stories and you, you know, eat and whatever. Yeah, um, I read somewhere that uh, Dolly was given a little guitar, you know. Yeah. Learned how to play it. Um, well, this is kind of a cool fact. I'm just like on this Wikipedia page, and apparently, that uh, Dolly Parton's dad uh, delivered, or he paid the doctor for delivery of one of the kids with like a bag of cornmeal. Uh, her delivery. That's great. Yep. Um, and a lot of her, a lot of the poverty that she grew up in is outlined in a number of her songs. But she's always said that we were dirt poor, but we were happy. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like storytelling and singing and going to church, like just bringing your family together. Just there wasn't a lot of, you know, there wasn't um, abuse or like you know anger or anything. There was stress, but. But there were other. They found other ways to work through it and yeah. keep their big old family happy. So they moved. Oh, sorry. No, that's right. Um, they eventually moved to a different farm in um, Locust Ridge, and that's really where she says that she was the happiest, and they were all the happiest. Um, and let's see what else. Blah blah blah. Well, I was just going to say, it's kind of interesting reading about Dolly's life, especially given that since this is a true crime podcast, so much of what we cover are people from horrible situations with very little love. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really is like so wonderful to hear kind of like how she like talked about some of these like beautiful moments in her childhood. And, you know, like, yeah, as you were saying, it's like. There was like a lot of happiness. A lot of happiness. Um, the so the Locust Ridge Farm was a one bedroom cabin on a subsistence farm, really small again, in a predominantly Pentecostal area, <laughs> um, just north of Greenbrier Valley in the Smoky Mountains. And she always, you know, we all know that Dolly talks about the Smokies. Mm-hmm. Um, she was brought up in the church. Um, her great her grandfather was the pastor. Her, his name was Jake Robert Owens, which was her mama's daddy. And her earliest public performances were, uh, uh, of course, in the church, beginning at the age of six. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. She, someone in her family, I, I suspect it was her grandpa. It doesn't really say. It's made her a homemade guitar when she was seven, and. When she was eight, her uncle is the one that bought her her first real guitar. I'm just imagining, like, little baby Dolly Parton. I'm sure she was a cute kid. I mean, she's she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Like, do you see these old pictures of her with the big old 60s hair? 
Yeah. I mean, flawless. Um, what else? Okay, so she be- she begins performing and uh, singing on local radio and television programs. And by 10, she appeared on the Cass Walker Show on WIVQ Radio in, Na- in Knoxville. And at age 13, she was recording on a small Louisiana label called Gold Band Records. And the song was called Puppy Love, which from my childhood, uh, the version I know was sung by Donny Osmond. Yes, because I am that old. Um, And then she appeared in the Grand Old Opry, where she first met Johnny Cash, who was another love of my life. And um, he encouraged her. He, you know, he was like, she's, what, 13, 14, the Grand Old Opry. And he was like, just keep doing what you're doing, girl. Everything's fine. (laughs) Everything was. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I also really like is she kind of, like, knew what she wanted. Uh, she graduated high school and just up and moved to Nashville and mm-hmm. decided she was just going to do music. That was going to be her life. Yeah. She graduated from high school on time, too. Right? Mm-hmm. 1960. She's my mom's age. Um, just by a couple, difference by a couple of months. Given this early fame, it's amazing how well-adjusted she is. I mean, she's just... A- Goddamn, darling. I love her so much. I'm so glad you agreed to talk about her. I was, oh, of course. Because the 40th anniversary of 9 to 5 was on Friday the 18th. And I had to watch it when I realized that. So I watched it. Um, I, for like the 900th time. Because it's a delightful little movie. Um, she started writing her own songs at the same time. Right after she graduated high school. And then... Um, she had, uh, oh, okay. So her uncle Bill Owens um, was a frequent songwriter. First, at first, I thought it said Buck Owens, which is a whole different person. Um, but uh, in country music fame, he, uh, her and her uncle were frequent songwriting partners, and they wrote several charting singles during this time, including two top ten hits. Put it off until tomorrow in 1966, and Fuel to the Flame. In 1967, sung by Bill Phillips and Skeeter Davis, respectively. Mm-hmm. So, so most of her life, a lot of most of what she's written has been recorded by all these other artists, right? Yeah, yeah. I did not realize that. Uh, I will always love you. Uh, the uh-huh. song was written by Dolly Parton. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, I have to say that my knowledge of Dolly Parton before this was actually mostly her um, philanthropic works. Like, I knew that she ran the book program, and then I knew that she sang Jolene. She's one of my favorites. And that's it. <laughs> that's it? You've never watched 9 to 5? No. <gasps> you and I your mom? From you... a very heavy country music stock. I mean... I really enjoy like blues and especially like m- male blues singers. Uh, and like, I guess I like some bluegrass, but like, um, no. And I don't even think I knew that Dolly Parton was the one who sang Jolene until maybe about five years ago. Okay. I will forgive you because you are young. However, nine to five has nothing to do with country music. It's, it's a movie, about- right? Is a movie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda 
and they're all secretaries in this big corporate 80s company and their boss is a total dick played by Dabney Coleman and they basically well I'm not going to give the plot away but you got to watch sit down with your mom and watch it I do love uh Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and I love that TV show that they're now in Frankie and Grace and Frankie Grace and Frankie I do love that too so this is the initial meeting of Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and then you add Dolly Parton into the mix. That's so, like I'd be a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a really not thinking through kind of movie. It's very it's comedy. It's enjoyable. It's delightful. Watch it with your mom. And I stumbled to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five Just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away In the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn And it's all gonna roll your way Working nice to five back to the um so music career porter wagner porter wagner um so yeah he invited dolly to join his organization offering her a regular spot on his weekly syndicated television program the originally named porter wagner show and it was like a it was like a variety show right yeah i mean you know, there used to be a lot of those on television. Um, she replaced a girl named Norma Jean. It was a little rough in the beginning because the audience didn't like her because they 
preferred Norma Jean. Did they just think that she was like a country bumpkin or something? I don't know. But it sounds like Porter Wagner just switched. He was thought he was switching out one blonde for another. You know, Dolly was clearly a better singer. Um, and then he can and uh, uh, he convinced RCA Victor Records to sign her. And they released her first single as a duet with Porter. Um, it was a remake of Tom Paxton, Paxton's The Last Thing on My Mind, released in 1967, reaching the country top 10, launching a six-year streak of virtually uninterrupted top 10 singles for the pair. Yeah. Like, this mm. is, like, where her career, like, she, like, really takes off onto, I'm assuming, a national stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of takes over. I mean, she very clearly eclipses him because I have no idea who Porter Wagner is, and I definitely know Dolly Parton, even before you suggested this uh, this idea to do her on the show. You can go on to YouTube and... and search for the Porter Wagner show. He is a total fucking typical white country sleaze bag in a fancy rhinestone suit. Lovely. He sounds yeah. like my type. Huh? I said he sounds like my type. Yeah, he's a or fucking he's a fucking delight. I hate him so much. Um so um he really but you know in the beginning he really wanted her but he's so she's on his show still so he's pushing for her solo success too which would make his show even more popular mm-hmm. like we don't don't think he didn't have alternative designs on her career for her solo success um she he so he pushed a number of songs on a couple of other people um a bunch of those rec- recordings shot to numbers three and number one and then for the next two years she did have numerous solo hits including code of many colors which went to number four in 1971 which is still one of her top singles to date to date um there's a number of them and i'm not gonna go through them and then um in 1973 which was two years later Jolene drops. Can I tell you my cute Jolene story? Sure. Which I'm sure you've heard before. Uh, this might be apocryphal. I don't know how true it is. Mm. Uh, but apparently um, Dolly Parton was at some event. And this like adorable little girl with like bright green eyes and beautiful red hair went up to her and she said, um, like, can you please write a song about me? And, uh, and Dolly Parton says, oh, like, why, yes, of course, sweetie, you're so cute. And uh, the little girl's name was Jolene. And this little girl is, like, I don't know, like, under the age of 10. And so then <laughs> Dolly Parton wrote the song, Jolene. Don't take my man. I'm just like, well, that's quite the turn. Mm-hmm. But um, it is, like, a very catchy song like i don't know a single person who doesn't like it even if you're like not a huge fan of country or even if you're really like not really into dolly parton like if you haven't heard it definitely listen to it and i'm sure we'll probably play it on the show i think we should put it as our outro just as a saying um i will say though that even it was it was one of our first big crossovers because it hit the uk charts at number seven the uk 
<laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but so even after all that, her and Porter uh, Wagner continued to release duet albums. Their final release was in 75, Say Forever, You'll Be Mine, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I Will Always Love You, written by Dolly Parton, was about her breakup of, for, with Porter Wagner. Now, they were never romantically involved. They were just, it was just a music business relationship. She's been married to the same man since 1960, whatever. And he's a very private individual, so we will not even mention him on the show. Oh, well, I was going to. I have a okay. about him. Well, then talk about him. <laughs> All right. So, because this is one of my favorite things about Dolly Parton is that, okay, so she is married to a man named Carl Dean. They've been together for 54 years. Yes, he's super low profile. They met at a laundromat in Nashville in the 60s. I would also like to mention that her faux husband in 95's name is Carl. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. And I think that my favorite thing about their marriage is, one, um, when she goes out with him, she, like, styles her hair differently and she tones down the clothes and people don't recognize them. And she does that on purpose because when she's with him, they're just a normal couple doing their thing, mm -hmm. you know. And he's always been, like, very supportive of her career. But he's just kind of like, you know what? I'm perfectly fine with her having her thing. Yeah. And um, I just think that's really delightful. But then also, there's been a conspiracy theory that he doesn't actually exist. And she went on to, I think it was, like, the Today Show or something. You know, like, she likes doing interviews. And uh, the reporter had, like, asked her. It's like, hey, so just want to let you know that there's a huge swatch of the internet that thinks you're making up your husband. And she just, like, laughed. And she's like, yep, you know, he likes to stay out of the limelight. And I just thought that it was, like, so cute, you know. I mean, they're clearly very comfortable with each other. I adore like, that. <laughs> I, adore, I adore him. I adore that. I don't even know what he looks like. Uh, There's like three pictures. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> most of them are from the 70s. <laughs> but I was like, of course she met her husband at like a laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. So where are we? With the breakup with Porter Wagner. I Will Always Love You is about their business breakup. Because he wasn't real happy that she left. Right? Um... Um, her version went to number one on the country chart and um, so let's see what else um, oh Elvis wanted to work with her his manager Colonel Tom Parker wanted to sign her for half her publishing rights she said go fuck yourself um, she's very protective of, as she should be because she's very talented she's very business savvy um, she had another single called Life is Like a Butter Love is Like a Butterfly, which also reached number one. So three consecutive number ones in 1974, as well as that duet. Um she's just knocking them out of the park. She's just like yeah. So this is, you know, now we're at to 1976, and Jolene was like the big sort of first pop transition into like a crossover, right? Um, so between 74 and 80, she had a series of country hits 
eight of which reached number one, um, including mainstream crossovers such as uh, oh she's oh she wrote for Olivia Newton-John, Emily Harris, and Linda Ronstadt, one of her longtime friends. I'm trying to move a little faster because we're already 45 minutes into the show. Um, well, we can kind of just like skip around a little bit in terms yeah, of yeah. So we all like she. I mean, like she did a uh, big. Oh, let me talk about nine to five real quick. Okay, because this came out in 1980, and it was her first movie role. And she wrote the opening song to it in in like you know 15 minutes. Um, and it received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song. <coughs> yeah. I love it. She's so um, talented. She's actually also one of the few artists to have been nominated for, what is it? It's like a Grammy, an Emmy, an Academy Award, and a Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh. What, how old were you when you first saw Nine to Five? Or, like, what was your... Was that, like, your first big... What's your Dolly history, Megan? Oh. <laughs> I was... I saw it in the theater. I was... Nine or ten. Nine. I was born in 1971. My mom... My, my, my friend across the street's mom took us to see it in the theater. It's so cute. And it's a little risque considering what, like, for a nine-year-old, but it was the 80s, 70s and 80s, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, I really want to watch this now. You got um, to watch it. You got to <laughs> I, I will probably watch it again. So um, let's just, that's just her beginning. We all know she's, like, she just released, like, a 35-hour box set with, time life um let's go into her philanthropy because i think that's really what if they don't know her music that's what i want to bring it to people's attention because this is really this is what really has launched her into uh the next stratosphere of humanity for me yes (laughs) okay so you take the philanthropy part because i'm tired of talking Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so she has, like, the, um, she has a foundation, which, unfortunately, I'm blanking on the names. Is it just, like, the Dolly Parton Foundation? That was the original. That's not the book one, but, um. No, but the foundation has, like, a few, oh, it's the Dollywood Foundation, and she has, like, a few things that she kind of, like, runs through it. hmm And, uh, so I think the one that she is most known for, and the one that is, uh, the furthest reaching, at least before she helped fund a COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> I know. Was, uh, it's called Imagination Library. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept is that it provides books to kids from birth until they start school, regardless of income. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like derping around on the site. You literally can just sign up for a book and they'll mail it to you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they, she started that in 1995. Mm-hmm. And like so many of the things that she does, she starts kind of in her own backyard. And, you know, like serving like her hometown in Tennessee. And now uh, 
Imagination Library uh, sends books to, uh, it's like the UK, to Ireland, to Canada, and, you know, I'm sure it'll just keep on going from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that I was really struck by was, was that on the website, uh, she has like a letter that she wrote that introduces uh, Imagination Library to whoever, I guess, clicks on the tab. And she says, quote, before he passed away, my daddy told me the Imagination Library was probably the most important thing I had ever done. I can't tell you how much that meant to me because I created the Imagination Library as a tribute to my daddy. He was the smartest man I had ever known, but I know in my heart his inability to read probably kept him from fulfilling all of his dreams. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of goes back to, you know, it's like she had all of these like formative childhood experiences of watching her parents, you know, like deal with poverty and it's like her dad not being able to read and her really lovely takeaway from this is that now that she has gobs of money, she's going to send a book to every kid who wants one for a month. You know, like for months, so she sends a million bucks books a month out. A yeah, million it's like books a month. So I think those kids get a book a month from birth to five years of age. Is it really? I think that's it. If you sign your kid up at birth, you get a book a month until they're five years until they're five years old. <laughs> There's like a part of me that was like, "Mom, you should have signed me up for." But I mean, I that's, had plenty of books to read, and I definitely think that <laughs> that's sixty books per kid. And there's such cute ones like Tommy DePaolo books are on here. And then there's like Llama Llama Time to Share, which the Llama Llama series is like one of my favorite uh, new books for kids that um, I yeah, actually Yeah, it's, a, it's the real deal. Books. It's not like some <laughs> bullshit printout of the story. It's like hardback, fully illustrated children's books from the publishers. Oh, and she even wrote one called I Am a Rainbow. And I know. This is so cute. And I actually think that she has, like, a YouTube series where she, like, reads books to children. So, LeVar Burton, watch out. <laughs> she Okay, well, to date, she has, as of this morning anyway, she had 1.767 million children registered to receive books. And uh, she has sent out well over 150 million books gifted it's just so adorable and i love it i mean on top of that in her in her uh hometown and surrounding areas she's done multiple scholarships right she created the buddy program and if you buddy up and you both graduate high school you both get 500 bucks um in her home um county she gives fifteen thousand dollar college scholarships to five high school seniors in her home county it's like this this woman does more for education than our current department of education head for sure well that's not saying much but she does more than even our good department of education Even, even our government does yes um, and then I found this quote from the Washington Post where Dolly Parton was talking about Imagination Library. And she said, they call me the book lady 
That's what the little kids say when they get their books in the mail. They think I bring them and put them in the mailbox myself, like Peter Rabbit or something. Oh. And I'm like, Dolly Parton is like the Santa Claus of childhood literacy. <laughs> Seriously. And on, on, all, on top of that, too, she's done a, a lot for hospitals in the area. She's done a lot for healthcare in the area. She's done for a lot for wildlife in the area. She did a she raised more than $13 million for a benefit after the East Tennessee wildfires. I mean. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> something else that I wanted to mention is, is that she or her foundation has partnered with uh, the government of Tennessee. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. For the Mountain Tough Recovery Team. Mm-hmm. And this is basically Tennessee's version of the Cajun Navy. Oh, nice. And so they step in to assist with natural disasters. Uh, they provide a whole bunch of different resources to Sevier County, uh, which is uh, <coughs> the county that Dolly grew up in. And I was just like clicking around on the website. And my goodness, it like reads as like the most high functioning government government agency that you've ever run across. It's like the website is intuitive and actually makes sense. And I'm like, oh yes, Dolly Parton, please become president. Um, I, I mean, if she could just run the IRS, I would be fine like, with that. You have like a section there for people who are unemployed and they help you like fill out your unemployment benefits. Um, they have announcements about COVID, how to apply for health insurance they had an entire section on where you can find a public computer, which these days is very important as kids were as kids are doing learning from home. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're like, yes, the internet should be a public utility. Uh, loan information for small businesses. So yeah, it's just kind of like uh, it's a very thoughtful look at the needs of the community, and again. <coughs> I'm sure that a lot of this is because, uh, like, Dolly comes from, like, a, a unique background where she kind of understands, like, well, what does a family of 12 children need? Right. You know? Like, she's not just some, like, interloper parachuting in. And, of course, it's like this, she's um, partnered with the local government um, so I'm sure that they have like experts there as well, but I think this really says why it's so important to have people, uh, helping people in positions of leadership that come from the backgrounds of the people that they're helping. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, she's the best. She is <coughs> the best. Um, there's a lot of cute new things out by her to so go support dolly so she can keep doing her um philanthropy she's got a new recorded book out which hit itunes like one of the new things to listen to this year it's called song teller my life in lyrics she's all over the web she did videos with jimmy kimmel for christmas she did an interview with um allure magazine like this is how my looks evolved over the years if that's what you're into she's done um, all kinds of um, songs and covers and appearances. And it's, it sounds like she wants to go back on tour next year. Um, 
Have you ever been to Dollywood? No, but I was all over that website today. First of all, they have a bald eagle rescue. Yeah. (laughs) Which uh, I want to go see. And you can, it's a full fucking resort with spas and shopping and swimming pools. So you can stay in the hotel or you can get your own cabin. And there's transport, and then you can go to Dollywood. You can ride the train to Dollywood. <laughs> ride the rides and eat the food. And performances and, yeah. Mm-hmm. It basically, <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of Disney, Disney World. It's country Disney World, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks cute. Honestly, I wouldn't mind staying in one of the cabins because they're it's up they're up in the in the hills a little bit farther, so the views would be really kind of amazing and peaceful up yeah. there. Um, I've driven through the the Smoky Mountains. It's pretty. I think I have two. <laughs> I drove through in May during my cross country road trip to Louisiana. Oh. I think it was a couple of years ago, and I was in Richmond, Virginia, and my current long-distance relationship picked me up there, and we drove to, we were driving to um, Dallas, and we stopped over in Nashville overnight. Yeah. Uh, that's actually where I have my layover for my flight back. Nashville? Yeah, I always do my um, <clears throat> layovers in Nashville if I need one. Because it's about, like, halfway between mm-hmm. Houston and New York. And um, it's a fun airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was up, <laughs> I always end up in Atlanta, or I did, when I was when I was hanging out in Dallas a lot. I don't hang out in Dallas anymore. but Because um, that soul has gone away. <laughs> um, I used to hang out in the Atlanta airport because they had a bar with a smoking lounge. <laughs> at Nashville airport there was some guy playing his guitar like, in the airport mm-hmm. and I'm like how authentic I mean like uh, the airport hired him yeah you know yeah it's like welcome to Nashville country music and I had a beer and I like watched this guy play guitar pre-covid of course yeah this is all this was years ago that I was doing all of this fun shit I have not <laughs> I've barely seen the light of day since March, so. Um, well, I think that that's all the info I have. I'm trying to save a little bit of time on the clock for us so that we can uh, play a couple of Dolly songs. Yeah, I think that's the two I wanted to cover. Like, you know, just support her and spend your money on all things Dolly so she can keep doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got, though, baby. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And <coughs> um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this very special first episode of 2021, uh, honoring our national fucking treasure, Dolly Parton. We love you. We thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
just because you can Your beauty is beyond compare With flaming locks of auburn hair With ivory skin and eyes of emerald green Your smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain And I cannot compete with you, Jolene Talks about two in his sleep And there's nothing I can do to keep from crying When he calls your name Jolene And I can easily understand How you could easily take my man But you don't know what he means to me, Jolene Decide to do Jolene 